You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're breaking down Utah's schedule and we're talking Pac 12 with Bryant Conger from. 12 pack radio i'm cameron and we got ryan what's up ute nation and scott what's up how we doing we're doing we're 17 <laughs> days out from kickoff baby it's coming it's coming utah football's around the corner so really looking forward to talking uh to brian about the pack 12 uh he's on the phone uh but before we bring him on I'll let you know that that's brought to you by our great sponsor double tree suites by hilton in salt lake city they're located at 110 West, 600 South, 801-359-7800. And you can always look them up at Hilton.com. So join us on the phone now is Bryant Conger from 12 Pack Radio. Bryant, thanks for jumping on, buddy. Oh, always a joy to be on the Utah Man Podcast. Cam, I know that... Uh, you're beating us on Wildcat Radio with the with the Twitter followers, but 12 Pack Radio is going to hold it down. We're finally going to catch up to you. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love how you always try to bring up this battle between us. It's it's awesome. Uh, so you mentioned uh, the 12 Pack Radio. Can you give our listeners um, kind of a little bit of background behind that? What you guys are doing? What and what you do? Sure. So it's a, a weekly podcast. We cover the entire conference. And the reason we did it was because there wasn't a lot of coverage that, that really focused on the Conference of Champions from a football perspective. And my co-host, Rob Bowron, um, has put together a really intricate advanced statistical model that works. And um, it's, it's, it's quite similar to Bill Connolly's S&P. He's, you know, he's an, uh, an economist and uh, does a lot of statistical stuff for corporate America. And, uh, but the biggest difference being there's a drive. It's more focused on how many points do you score rather than how many yards do you have per drive. And I've actually found that really fascinating and interesting and helpful as we cover the conference because we're watching with our eyes, but it's always nice to be able to have some advanced statistics to kind of put what we're watching into play. So a good example last year being like, Bryce Love can run the football. Actually, he, he can't. And, and the offensive line of Stanford is not good this year. That was something that the numbers brought out really before our eyes did because I was really, really excited about Bryce Love last year. So all that said, we record weekly. Um, we do full breakdowns of every game. And right now we're in a 12-part series of breaking down and taking a dive into each team. And Scott was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, and and one, one of the best, Cam, one of the best Utah guess we've ever had on the podcast with scott Ouch. i'm not gonna lie just, Ouch. just he can uh, lit the world on fire take that knife right out of he my back you're gonna win the national title i, I don't know he was uh, really, hey. really <laughs> that, that's what happens when you just let get me talking <laughs> scott's fully um, in the deep end in the kool-aid on this season Oh, for sure. But, but you can follow us on 12 Pack Radio on Twitter. And um, our podcast is basically on any podcast catcher, just like yours. You know, if you type in 12 Pack Radio, we'll pop up. We'd love for you guys to listen. It's a, it's a good one. So jumping into the South, Utah's picked preseason to win the South and, and to win the conference. Now, Ute fans, to, to, to some of the fan base, that gives, uh, that gives them some anxiety that we're, we're such a heavy favorite to win the South. Who from the division has the chance to uh, to uh, to upset Utah and win the South and and go play in uh, in Santa Clara? 
Well, you know, the depressed, beaten down dog in the corner is always USC. And just they have <laughs> so much talent on that freaking team. And really, it's a question on whether or not the coaching staff can bring them up. Bringing in Graham Harrell, I thought was a good move. Obviously, they would have preferred uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who jumped to uh, the Arizona Cardinals. But I do think that a second year of JT Daniels is a second year as a, a quarterback. You have an open offensive system. They have so many wide receivers on that team. They have the defensive talent, but again, I just don't trust the coaching staff. And if I'm a Utah fan, I'm sitting pretty knowing that, you know, that USC is struggling to get up to the elite level that they should be at while Utah is continuing to bring in consistent talent year after year under a good coaching staff. I know the offensive coordinator has kind of been all over the place, but for the most part, a really steady program. I think a second team, and this is a little bit of a homer pick. I'm an Arizona fan. I went to Arizona, um, but I promise that it's not from like these rose colored glasses. I just think Khalil Tate can be such an explosive player and he wasn't last year and he in the beginning wasn't running and then he got injured and even if you get 50% of what you got from Khalil Tate last year if you add that to the fact that Arizona's defense is back it might not be great but it will likely improve that's a team that could make a little bit of noise but I don't think that they're a challenger for the conference I think it really is likely USC or Utah and I just think that Utah has a pretty big leg up uh, when it comes to what you have on paper and just the history of your coaching staff. So, so Utah USC meet early on in the season, uh, first conference game um, in week four. It's at USC. Can USC come together this quickly? As you mentioned, new coaching staff. There's a lot of unknowns around this program. With time, as the season goes on, it, it seems a little easier to see them put things together. But that early in the season, because that's an important game for whoever's going to win this South. Give them a give them the the head the the head start in the division. Can USC get going that quickly out of the gates, you think? Guys, I am going to have a giant barrel of popcorn next to me, and I'm just going to be watching that game so intently because I want to see if Utah's defensive line eats JT Daniels, like physically dismembers him and eats him for lunch. <laughs> because I, that, the defensive line you have is so frightening, and USC has had a lot of problems on the offensive line. And one of the people that I love following, her name is Alicia Deartola from the Rain Detroit podcast, has has really gone in depth into the turnover of the coaching staff. They had a lot of problems on that offensive line in terms of coaching. It seems like they've made finally a course correction, but is is the new uh, is the new coach there going to be able to get that line up to speed? I don't I don't think so. I think you guys are in a good position to just continue to pressure a uh, a quarterback that may be running a, a decent amount and he's going to be in an offensive system that he is maybe not used to compared to last year. So it'll be really fascinating to see. Plus, USC couldn't run for a lick last year. It was really crazy. I, they had all these running backs behind him and just weren't able to run. And your run defense is just filthy. And I mean, I'm curious to see what the line is because I really do. And I'm not trying to blow smoke at, at Utah fans. I just think that um, th- that the areas where Utah is excellent, USC has a lot of question marks, whereas the areas where USC is excellent in the passing game, like your secondary is going to be pretty good. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see if the defense can can hold you guys to under 20 points, because that could happen depending on how they're able to, to get up and play that game. Well, and the crazy thing with that game is Utah hasn't beaten USC in California in like a hundred years. That stadium's so overrated, though. Like, I know I'm dumping <laughs> on USC right now. Like, well, you know, oh, whatever. It's, it's wide. It's a well, they've table. never even won in the Coliseum. 
that's crazy. I, I didn't I didn't realize that. I'm gonna have to keep that in mind this year. But uh, I just think the talent, uh, the the coaching disparity is gonna be pretty solid unless USC really turns it up to eleven this year. So you uh, looking at UT, USC schedule? I mean, it's brutal. You know, their first five games. Fresno State, Stanford, BYU, Utah, Washington, and then they finally get a bye, and they have seven more games, and then they have a bye at the the last week of the of the season. I guess if they were trying to prepare for the Pac-12 championship game or something like that. But with <laughs> knowing that their their I mean their schedule is brutal, they didn't go bowling last year. I, it could be another rough season for them. What do you think about Clay Helton keeping his job this season? There, there's what reality is and what I think USC should be. I, I kind of took a lot of pot shots at him right now, but I do think USC, the conference is better when USC is better. I want USC to be Pete Carroll USC because that raises the, the, the eye of the conference. It, um, it puts a big old Darth Vader villain, uh, to, uh, adhere against. And one of the things that's been really fascinating is USC and UCLA have not locked down uh, they have they have not performed at the level that they should perform. And the South as a whole hasn't taken full advantage of that. It's been Game of Thrones, basically, since USC and UCLA haven't been uh, really at the level that they should. You know, each team has had a seat in the chair. And uh, so I, I don't know. I'm just what the one thing that's really fascinating about them is that they're secondary. If you take a look at the recruiting that has happened under Clay Helton, which has been his saving grace. That, that secondary is stocked with like five-star top 10 safeties and cornerbacks, but they're all like freshmen or had no experience. So if you're a Utah fan, one of the biggest um, things that I'm looking out for that I think will project on your quarterback, uh, Huntley, and on USC secondary is that battle. Can SC hold that passing game uh, to a minimum? Because I think if Huntley goes nuts, uh, Utah has a real chance of winning the conference outright. But I really do think you guys need to, to throw the ball a little bit more and move move in a more aggressive offense. And I, I'm sure Utah fans hate hate me hearing me say that, right? We want to run the ball. We want Zach Moss <laughs> to run for 4,000 yards. But you got to pass the ball at some point. And I, I just hope that they can. Well, don't uh, you USC? That'll be a good barometer. Don't you always say that wide receivers come to Utah to die? <laughs> yeah, there's this there's this wasteland of four star wide receivers, you know, stretching from Hollywood all the way to Salt Lake City. I know you're uh, you're always picking up on you're always picking on Utah wide receivers for for not producing. With, with that said, though, Britton Covey is a man. That guy is awesome and just one of the most fun players I've watched. But when your best wide receiver or your most productive wide receiver is like five two, you know, <laughs> how are you going to move as an offense? <laughs> hey, hey, you're, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. We we harp on the same the same thing. So as Utah fans, we are we were stoked when Zach Moss decided he was going to return, and obviously, we think he's probably one of the best, if not the best, running backs in the conference. I think a close second might be Eno Benjamin at ASU. But how do you see those, at least in the South, how, how do you see those, the one, two, uh, or first and second running back? And then who do you see after that that could challenge them? You know, I think a, a player to keep a lookout for is J.J. Taylor out of Arizona. He had a very quiet, solid year. Um, I have to go back and see what his numbers were. He definitely re- rushed for more than 1,000 yards. He's a small guy, too. I think he's like five, five eight or something like that, but built big. And he didn't have the touchdown uh, and Arizona was terrible in the red zone last year. Um, but he is certainly somebody that can challenge. But I think the clear one, two is, is Zach Moss, 
you know, Benjamin. But then you have somebody like, you know, UCLA's running back. Uh, I think he just got injured. I have to go back and look. I, that's the one big weakness on my radar right now is UCLA. Um, but uh, I think their running back's pretty solid. When you take a look at USC, too, I mean, they always have five-star guys there. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to rush the ball. One of the cool things about the conference, and I wish the national media would pick up on this because Pac-12 marketing is terrible. Like, the the running backs usually we're we're known for for the quarterbacks right yeah John Elway and you know, Nick Nick Foles and all this uh they, you know and I didn't mention any of the USC quarterbacks um the running back talent <laughs> or Utah's thanks <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's true I know you guys have got a quietly awesome back you know background getting some players <laughs> uh, but really there's such a, a just a um a filthy rich talent base right now in the Pac-12 on the running on the running side. And it'll be really fun to watch. So I'm curious to see what happens. I would give Zach Moss. Um, I think I think he's going to be relied on more than Eno Benjamin is. It'll be interesting to see their ASU supposed to announce who their quarterback is today. And I'm assuming it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Um, so in which case, maybe they will rely on Benjamin as much as you guys are going to rely on Moss. But I love Benjamin. I think he's one of the best talents in the Pac-12. It'd be cool to see um, who ends up with more touchdowns and yards this year. So earlier you mentioned the importance of the Pac-12, kind of raising the bar a little bit, getting a little bit more national recognition, but also getting more national respect. So, you know, obviously coming into this year, we're kind of we're kind of talking about what kind of scandals the Pac-12 going to have this year, right? Because there's always seems to be something. Well, Pac-12 Media Days comes out, and Larry Scott brings out the 9 a.m. Pacific uh, start time. So obviously, the the idea behind it is to get some more eyeballs in the East Coast. But give give me your thoughts on 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 that idea of having having such an early start time, especially for you know some of these schools who don't draw all that well, or at least consistently well. At, at first glance, I looked at that and rolled my eyes and went, oh, my gosh, like, uh, whatever. Um, I do think it makes a little bit more sense if you're playing on mountain time rather than Pacific time. You know, he said nine Pacific, but if you're Colorado or Utah now, 10 a.m. is 10 a.m. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. But the, the biggest way for the, the Pac-12 to get respect and to get some eyeballs is is to win those preseason games, right? Uh, you have to have UCLA beat Oklahoma, which will likely not happen. You have to have a team like Oregon go and beat Auburn, which will likely not happen this year. Um, Washington has a, a, a like a later game at BYU, which I'm sure they'll win that game. But you guys know that BYU can be pretty pretty raucous at home, and their run defense can well. be fairly solid. <laughs> I know, I know. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I always bet on you guys to win. You have never come to the spread. Drives me nuts. Um, but I, I do think that those types of wins are what builds up the conference more. And again, there's no well, I think Washington is the closest to a premier program that we have. And they, they did not make the, the playoff last year. And I don't think they make the playoff this year. But I do think in the future, they have a, they have a real opportunity to um, be the class of the conference. I think if Utah continues to I, I just really think my biggest belief in Utah is got to get that passing game going. And I think it gets to a point where Utah can consistently be one of the top teams in the conference. And, and we could certainly use that right now. So I, yeah, I don't know what I think about the, the 9 a.m. games. You know, like we're trying, he's trying, right? Larry's got trying stuff. Uh, most of it's dumb, but you know, like we'll, we'll find out. I, I, yeah, I'm always a big cakes and eggs guy anyway. So, you know, whatever. You know, uh, when I'm looking at this Utah schedule, it looks very beneficial for the Utes. No back-to-back away games. Uh, almost all their games are on Saturday. 
So I think it's really going to help them out if they want to do something special this year. But just kind of looking over it, and one game that kind of has has stood up to me, and it's kind of been talked about um, on social media with the Utes, is is the Cal game. It's going to be right before they go to Washington. Washington um, is going to be on a bye that week. Can you just kind of go over uh, what this what this Cal team is going to look like in 2019? I think it depends on whether or not Cal's offense is going to drive straight into a tree like that, that giant bus of like that, that the Cal offense was uh, a, a bunch of clowns, you know, in a blimp that is on fire headed towards a mountain last year, but their defense was so good and it's a generational defense. Um, they get uh, Devon Modster, the transfer from UCLA who could be, um, you know, if he gives them, like 30% more than the quarterbacks did last year. Um, they could be, they could be not just dangerous, but they, they could shoot up a little bit in regard. I don't think they're going to win the PAC 12 North, but uh, I do think the defense is so nasty. They bring back basically their entire secondary. They have almost all their defensive players back. A number of people that could have gone to the NFL decided to stay. Um, it's just, can anybody on that offense do anything productive? And, if you take a look at it, in addition to Modster, there's just question marks everywhere. They're wide receivers. Most of them left. Uh, Kanawai Noah left, who was somebody that I really liked. He's a great third down. He kind of reminded me of Britton Covey, but not as good. Like, but but still that you know that that guy that's going to get you that catch when you need it. He's gone. They don't have anybody really there outside of JUCOs uh, that are going to come in, and uh, and the running backs aren't great. So how on earth are they going to move the football? Plus, Utah's defense is, is pretty good. So, I mean, that will likely be a rock fight, but I trust uh, offense like Utah's better than I trust uh, uh, offense like Cal's. And I'm I'm surprised that Bo Baldwin, their offensive coordinator, is still there because that has been an atrocious uh, <laughs> spectacle that's happened. And, we, and I really thought it was a good hire at the beginning, but clearly uh, it hasn't worked out in Berkeley. So as, as Scott alluded to earlier, there's been a lot of national attention placed on Utah in this preseason, which is exciting for, for our fan base. Um, but I'm curious because there, you know, there's a lot of this, there's been a lot of picks of having us in the top 20, some in the top 10, but there's one pick six preview that's got us, got Utah going one of the four teams to the playoffs. Do you think, Ooh, buddy? Oh, I know, buddy. <laughs> which is, which is fantastic, but I mean, I'd like to hear somebody else's take. I mean, are we living in la-la land thinking that's a possibility? I think that Utah has a chance, uh, should be the favorite to win the South. I think they have a f- like 45, 55% chance in that area of winning the Pac-12. I do not think Utah is a, is a playoff team uh, this year. I, I hope they are. Uh, hey, thanks and, for coming on, Bryant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but I do think that like Utah can be a dark horse. I, one of the things on our podcast that we talked about Utah last year was we really liked the team. Rob's beta rank um, advanced college football like numbers liked Utah. The problem was we thought that your schedule was in just too nasty. We're like, ah, they will likely bump up in all the numbers, but you won't see it in the win total. And that was wrong. You guys came a year early. Most of the team is coming back for the most part. I have some questions about your linebackers, but because um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's funny. It's, it's almost as if Whittingham um, like 
uh, I'm just trying to think like it's, it's like Russian roulette of transfers, right? You're just like picking out guns out of a bag and like putting them on the table uh, just because like th- there's all these and they could be good, right? They could be really solid, but uh, but they might not. Uh, but, but I just think when you take a look at, I was on, uh, I forget what show it was. It was Mark Rogers TV. And he asked me a question about Arizona's offense, right? And, and this was the year after Khalil Tate just went nuts. And he said, uh, what do you think about Arizona's chances? Right. And I said, well, we have a great offense. You know, Khalil Tate's going to go nuts. Um, he's one of the best, uh, he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And I just remember Mark saying, that's probably all true, but when you put up Arizona's offense in front of an SEC defense that's stacked with five stars and is well coached, how good is Arizona's offense? I think that is, you know, clearly not in the same league as Utah. Utah is a significantly better team than Arizona. They're significantly more well coached than Arizona, but I still think that that premise stands. Like, how good can Utah be when it's stacked up against? the elite of the elite with a coaching staff that is paid like nobody's business. And I don't know, like I hope that they do well, but that's, that's the big hesitancy I have about Utah uh, as a national title contender this year. Give us, give us your thoughts on who the uh, PAC 12 offensive defensive players of the year are going to be. Obviously it's a little tough to project, but who do you think are the favorites for those uh, to, to bring home both those awards? Uh, um, you know, this is this is going to be a dark horse while I think about who who it really is. Um, but but Gage Gabrud, who it was funny, uh, Dan Rubenstein on the Solid Verbal, which is also a great uh, college football podcast, called him Gage on accident. So on Twelve Pack Radio, we're going to call him Gage Gabrud whenever he's good, <laughs> and Gage Gabrud when he throws like ten picks. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's really hard to live up to what Gardner Minshew did, and uh, I do think that Minshew was a special talent. It's hard to get a grad transfer to play at the elite level that he did, um, but. If he does, like I was taking a look at some of his numbers at Eastern Washington, Gage Gabrud, and and they are quite impressive, particularly I think he ran for like a thousand yards and threw for like three thousand yards. I'm probably embellishing a little bit, but it was like pretty close (laughs) to that. Right. Um, He could be a dark horse. I do think that it's going to be Eno Benjamin as the offensive player of the year. Um, I'm trying to think of what happens on I I just because I just think Zach Moss is going to be good for a thousand yards um, and, and a good blocker. Whereas Eno Benjamin, the people that vote on these offensive guys, like he's going to run for 1,300 yards and like 14 touchdowns this year if he doesn't get hooked, uh, hurt, knocked on wood. Um, I think another dark horse is Jamar Jefferson out of uh, Oregon State. That guy is awesome. And as a freshman, he ran for like 1,300 yards. And I I just see a scenario where he continued, like Jake Luton gets hurt, unfortunately. Like, I hope he doesn't get hurt. But, and it's just handoff, handoff to Jefferson, handoff to Jefferson, handoff to Jefferson. Um, I don't know. Like, do you, do you think do you think Moss has a chance? I think he's he's going to be in the mix. I just think that there's going to be players that have higher, more flashier numbers rather than like the like. I just think Moss is a complete running back. He's he's going to block for you and he's going to run for you. And does he catch passes? I, I forget. I would assume so. He's pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, he has in the past, and and we all expect Ludwig is is definitely going to use his backs. You know, a combination of backs out of the pa- out of the backfield in the passing game. But no, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's a stretch to go with Eno uh, Benjamin. Uh, you know, I think Moss has a chance, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure he's going to have the the statistics in in that one category, even two categories to to really be the top dog in the, in the conference. But um, you know, I think he's got a shot. But I would I would agree that Eno Benjamin uh, probably is probably your preseason favorite at least. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I when it comes to defense. Um, 
you know, it'd be interesting. I, I like some of the the cornerbacks at Stanford. I don't like much of the other players on that team. There are a couple other people on the defensive line that I like. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain of of who is going to be a player that's just going to stand out on the defensive end. Um, and I think it could be a couple of people on your line, although I don't think they're going to give it to a tackle, right? Like, but, but who? Uh, <laughs> Right. Like, is it is it like Bradley and I, is he going to be somebody that like, how, how awesome is he going to be this year? We hope awesome. <laughs> I mean, he led the, the league in sacks last year. I, I think he can definitely repeat that again this year. Here's, here's why I think, uh, um, and I has a legit shot to win, to win it this year is the fact that the defensive line is so strong and, and it's going to be, it's actually going to be stronger than it was last year. Because he's gonna have he's gonna have more help from the opposite side. Uh, Max Tupai came on late last season and was phenomenal, and 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 there's pretty good depth uh, behind him. And I I just think as strong as that defensive line is gonna be, you you you're not gonna be able to double triple team guys. So you're gonna have a lot more one on one opportunities for some of these guys. And whether that's an eye, you know, obviously he's gonna be a focal point of an offensive line and blocking and, and protecting the quarterback. But I, but I think he's with his skill level and just over the overall depth on that line. I, I think he's got a sh- uh, legit shot to to bring it home. Yeah, his his success is going to depend depend on the other members of that line. If if they're like you're mentioning, if they're going to occupy everybody else and just allow him to get through. I mean, he had 15 and a half tackles for a loss last year. That's crazy town. That's that's really really good. The only other player in the conference is Colin Schooler, who's a linebacker. Um, and they were in Arizona relied on him way too much last year. Um, so I think I think it's a night like Troy Dye is another player to keep a lookout for. I like him a lot. He's a um, a really really good linebacker out of Oregon who could be solid. But yeah, like uh, yeah, I'll throw my card in for an eye. I'm on a Utah podcast. Why not? <laughs> no, but I actually do think I think he could be he has a real good chance. Uh, so we kind of already asked you, like, what teams could challenge uh, Utah for the South. But as you're looking at the South as a whole, what teams do you think are going to be improved from last year? And what teams do you think kind of take a step back from what they did last year? I think the easiest, like, or, or the biggest wild card would be Arizona. Just because, like I mentioned, Khalil Tate was so electrifying. If, if Arizona gets a decent amount out of him, that could be a team. Like, again, I don't think they're going to win the South, but they could win two or three more games um, like they, they could win eight or nine games. I think that's their ceiling, but are they going to reach that ceiling? And that's the, you know, that's why you play the games. Um, you know, a team that is fascinating for me and it, it will be even more fascinating if Jaden Daniels is the quarterback is ASU. I like their defense. I know they lose a lot, but the players that they've brought in behind them on that defensive line, I, I think could be fairly good, like good enough to get ASU past that, like seven win. Maybe they bump up one or two, um, if that defense comes together and I think it will. And of course you have uh, like Brandon Ayuk is taking over from Nikhil Harry. And I know Nikhil Harry was awesome last year, but there were games where like he just faded and the play calling was kind of funky with him. Or he's say, Oh, I'll just throw it to uh, uh, Harry and Harry either didn't catch it or just like, I think he had a decent number of touchdowns, but I just was expecting more for him. I liked Brandon Ayuk and what he was showing as the second wide receiver on that team. Um, obviously, you know, Benjamin, but man, like, most freshman quarterbacks are not Trevor Lawrence, y'all. Like, they just aren't. And uh, so I think that could derail them if that def- – like, I think they have the highest, like, ceiling and floor, um, whereas Arizona's floor, I think, is a little higher than ASU's. But I could see- also see a scenario where ASU's um, defense doesn't gel and and you just have freshman quarterback syndrome at ASU and just can't get the ball uh, rolling outside of Benjamin and, you know, teams start stacking the box. Um, 
Colorado is and UCLA. Like I think UCLA is getting a lot of love just because they played crap teams at the end of the year. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's weird to question Chip Kelly as an offensive coach, <laughs> but <laughs> like I, uh, uh, what he did at Oregon was great. And the conference in the country caught up to that and what he was able to do in the NFL, not as impressive. And is he going to be able to take a team that was not impressive last year um, with a quarterback that was erratic and uh, and a team in a recruiting class that did not get the job done this year? I think UCLA has the biggest floor in the conference. They could have a real rough year this year. Um, and I have no idea what's happening at Colorado. Like I love, I love Steven Montez. I call him the full Montez, you know, like that's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, but what, like what else is there, right? You got a new defensive coach. Is he going to actually change what's, what's going on in the culture there? You never know. So I, I think UCLA is, is the furthest to drop. Um, Arizona ASU has the furthest to rise. Um, and USC is, uh, I, you know, who knows? Like <laughs> just who knows? Well, the, the UCLA that you bring up that with Chip Kelly, it's interesting, right? Cause you had parents calling out Chip Kelly on social media last year on ESPN. That, I mean, it, it looked like Chip didn't have a good grasp of the team. Uh, so we'll see what he can do this year with his second year. Um, uh, but you've, you've talked, you've talked about Cleo Tate with Arizona. And, and what really, what happened last year with him? I know there was some injury and the coaching change. What kind of went in with him kind of trying to be more of a pocket passer? And do you think that they're figuring out to have him play his style this year? I think it was two things. The first was there was a legit injury. I mean, he was out for a number of games. And one of the things that makes Tate special is his legs. And he was unable to use them in a way that was dynamic. And and he's not that great of a passer. I mean, if you take a look, I think he threw like 57%. He completed 57% of his passes. That's not going to cut it. Um, so so take out away the injury because I think that's part of it. Here are the two other items with Khalil Tate. That was a major problem last year. Um, even before Tate was injured – it seemed as if he made a decision. This happened in the BYU game. You saw it. Like it, it was just, and it was so glaring. He made a decision that he was not going to run the football. He was going to show that he was a passer. And, uh, and that didn't work out so well. Uh, just as, as I said, like about 57% completion rate. And he threw so many bombs, guys, just down the field to, uh, wide receivers that were not good. And, and it really hurt. It, like Arizona's offense was interesting because it was explosive. Because sometimes he did hit those bombs, but it was it was really really inconsistent and um, and it wasn't efficient. And you just saw that if you watched any Arizona game, there was like twenty minute twenty minute just slogs of, of three and out, three and out, three and out because Khalil's just slinging the ball around poorly. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen this year, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully he runs the ball. Um, but I have heard that he hasn't been super accurate in camp, and that gives me some pause. So obviously the, the, the Pac-12, you know, they're trying to get some momentum. They're trying to kind of change the narrative in college football about where they stand in the pecking order. Obviously, postseason play um, is really where you're going to get that attention. Obviously, you got we got to get a team in, in the playoff and a team to perform well in the playoff. But outside of the playoff, obviously, we got the Rose Bowl. Upcoming, you know, a little bit change in the schedule as far as uh, some bowl games with the change in Las Vegas, um, the opponent there, the location, you got the Los Angeles Bowl coming in. H- how do you see kind of some of these changes? Are, are you excited about any of them? Is it just kind of meh? Like, well, do, do you think it moves the needle at all? 
So you have to take my opinion with a grain of salt because I am one of three people in the world who watched the entire Cheez-It Bowl and loved every moment of it. <laughs> like, I loved that game. It was so, so painful to watch and so funny at the same time. Like, none of the quarterbacks could throw. There's like eight interceptions. No points were scored. And I was just, I literally, I'm just tweeting, like, constantly, like this is the best thing in the world. So I'm really sad that the Cheez-It Bowl is no no longer God. You know, God bless the Cheez-It Bowl. Hashtag the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, I do think that, um, I think we have an SEC tie-in now right i think that might be in a couple of years is that is that the case yeah it's uh the sec uh, big 10 in the vegas bowl that would yeah i would love to see like i think the highest levels of the sec are excellent um i think the middle tier of the sec uh you can take it or leave it you know is mississippi state they couldn't move the ball but they had great defense they're kind of like how like <laughs> like for real they were pretty much like how um so i would love to see you know a a upper-ish echelon Pac-12 team take on Mississippi State or take on Old Miss or take on, on Arkansas. And and just, I do think that that's helpful for us. Um, I, I haven't quite looked at some of the other bowl tie-ins, but I love the move to Vegas. I think that's great. Um, I think that, uh, with that, of course, that's the, the whatever, the, the conference title game. I do like that though um what are some what are some of the other games that we have do you guys have that that list out yeah i mean so los angeles versus mountain west um holiday is acc uh red red box um big 10 like it it has been and the sun obviously versus the acc so uh acc's trash outside of clemson yeah i mean the the, the acc i mean that's the frustration right as a a pac-12 fan is the ACC gets put on this pedestal solely because of Clemson. Outside of Clemson, Florida State hasn't done anything recently, um, yep. or at least in the last couple of years. You, you've got uh, Miami. Who, I mean, I was 12 last time they did anything. <laughs> well, I think that goes back to Bryant's <laughs> point earlier that the Pac-12 needs a USC and a UCLA to be the marquee programs. I mean, if we can get... To the, to the level of the Pac-12 where the championship game runs through there. Not saying they have to win it every year, but at least be the marquee name that those are the teams you have to beat if you want to move on in the league. The Pac-12 is not going to get respect until that happens. Yeah, you got student body right, you know, the history quarterbacks at SC. Um, I do, I do think Washington can get there. I mean, they just, they've been recruiting so well and I think they're very well coached. That'll be interesting. You know, one thing that drives me nuts is that Arizona, or not Arizona, um, uh, except I think Arizona's played a Mountain West team in the bowl game since BYU, but we have like, so like we all, like the, the conference gets a pissed off Mountain West team every year. And and we're zero and three in the last couple of years against them. Like Fresno State, legit good defense. Like that was a. I was like, oh no, like whoever's playing that team is going to lose, and they did. Um, and I forget the the other teams that have, have knocked us off, but um, yeah, that 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 bowl game sucks because it's a team that kind of doesn't really want to be there. It gets a Mountain West team that basically the coach like all he needs to do is say, raise your hand if you didn't get a a scholarship from any one of these Pac-12 teams, and everybody raises it. Go out and just whoop tail like that. That's all you have to say to these players to go out and have a good game from them. Thanks again for for jumping on. Uh, before we cut you loose, I really want to get kind of your predictions on, on how you think the, the Pac-12 uh, will play out this season. I, um, I'm trying not to be too fan servicey for Utah, but I really do like Utah this year. Hey, hey um, you can drink the Kool-Aid. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think it really does. It, it all rides on, Bre- uh, on, uh, on Huntley. I almost said Brent, I almost said Brent Huntley. <laughs> I think it was a uh, blast from the past there at UCLA. Um, 
I think it all rides on whether or not um, you can you can set up a passing game. If you can, I think I think Utah's gonna be really really hard to beat. I am not a hundred percent convinced yet that Washington has it. Um, they lose a lot of production in that secondary. The secondary was nasty last year, and I do like the coaching staff. I do appreciate that they can bring along talent. I just don't know. I think there's going to be a drop up. There kind of has to be. That's how good that defense was last year. And you have a quarterback that I just need to see it on the field. I don't trust Oregon's coaching staff. They have all the talent in the world on that team. That team is stacked. Can they, if you watched any semblance of Oregon last year, you wanted to drive your head through a wall because their offense was so inconsistent and erratic. So I think this is a good year for Utah to be able to make a push. And um, if it can get past a uh, a USC team that has some talent. Maybe they put it together this year. Um, and if they can hold off some upstart teams like Arizona, if Khalil Tate has his act together, um, like Arizona State, if Arizona State can figure out how to incorporate a freshman quarterback. But like that door is open, y'all. Like it is. <laughs> I just think that this if, if you're going to win the conference this year, like any year, it should be this year. Um, so I hope I hope that's the case. I don't know, but I do think Utah's going to drop like two games on the way there. I, it's just, I, I think that will likely be the case. Um, I hope not, but because if you don't, then you're a dark horse to get into that college football playoff. So um, ho- hopefully that's good. It's either that or Washington wins. <laughs> like, <I think> that's <laughs> <kind of> it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ifs for Utah or Washington just like is Washington. But um, I do think that this is probably one of the best years that Utah has in terms of their opportunity to really make a statement in the conference. Brian, this is why 12-pack radio is amazing. What you just went through, just taking question after question about any team, it's phenomenal. Can you just give our listeners just one more shout-out to where they can find you and and listen to your stuff? Yeah, the 12-pack radio podcast, which you can find anywhere. I do want to highlight one really cool thing. So I can can go on and say a lot of things with a lot of enthusiasm. Rob, my co-host, like keeps me in line. He's like, that's not right. (laughs) That's not fact. Statistically, (laughs) so he's a really good counterbalance. Um, he is doing some really cool stuff on our new website, which is sharpcollegefootball.com. You can go on that site and literally by year, take a look at Utah's, uh, advanced statistical profile, like going back to 2012 and you can compare your team to other teams. So you can say like, now I'll be, I'll be very frank. It's kind of depressing sometimes if you're an Arizona fan <laughs> to look at these numbers, but you can compare like Utah to, uh, you know, the, uh, like 2016, uh, uh, you know, USC or, um, or Clemson, like 2018 Clemson, you can actually compare those teams and see what areas are, um, you were strong and not strong. He does breakdowns by, um, by category. So you can take a look and see Utah's strength as a run defense, as a pass defense, as a run offense, as a pass offense. It's really cool. There's a lot of powerful tools on there and like, we're just starting to get that rolling. So all, all the data is there. We just haven't really told anybody about it yet. So, uh, definitely check that out. Tune into the podcast. And then I tweet from 12 pack radio, which is at one, two PAC radio. Perfect. Brian, thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll be in touch. Okay. Hey, appreciate it guys. Good luck this season. Thanks, Thank Brian. Thanks, Good talking with you. I'm a big fan of 12-Pack Radio. They do a great job. Uh, we're very, very lucky to have Brian kind of jump on and just let us fire away those questions. Uh, really entertaining. Uh, really looking forward to football season and the Pac-12. And hopefully, as, as what we said, the Pac-12 can get some some more national recognition for what they're doing. Uh, so now we're going to kind of do our yearly tradition 
uh, before the first game as we go through each game and kind of give our prediction on what Utah will do. And we'd love to hear what you have to, what you think Utah will do in each game and their overall record. And you can always hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. So the first game of the season is August 29th, a Thursday night against the team down south in Provo. Nine is coming. I, I, I'll, I'll kick us off. I'll go first. I think Utah's going to win that one. Uh, I think with last season, yes, it, you, BYU kind of was running away with it until Utah kind of flexed their muscle. But I think a lot of that had to do with Utah already having the Pac-12 wrapped up. They were looking forward to the Pac-12 championship. And I don't think they're going to have that this year. I don't think they're going to be overlooking at all because, I mean, their next game is Northern Illinois. So I think they're going to be jacked for BYU. I know Francis Bernard told me they're already starting to look at game prep for BYU this past week. So I'm going to go with a win on that one. Ryan? I agree. I go with a win also. And I I mean, we talk about this every year that Utah should blow the doors off of them, but it's a rivalry game. And in, in some ways it tends to stay close. But I think Utah has got... They've got another focus, a different focus than I, that I've seen in in the past. And when when these hear these interviews, they all these guys seem dedicated and focused to what what is at hand, and they know what their potential is. I, I really don't see this game being close. Well, as Kyle Whittingham always says, leave no doubt. Right? Don't don't leave it up to the refs. Don't leave it up to a bad bounce at the end of the game. Just leave no doubt. And this is the type of team that can leave, no doubt. Obviously, going down to BYU, BYU is they are about as desperate as you're going to see. Well, they, this is this is their game. This is their season. They, I mean, their their media day was essentially Utah. They talked about Utah nonstop. Their players are commenting on Utah in almost every interview, weekly, nightly down there. They, th- this is their focus. This is Kalani wants this so bad that he needs it. They'll be ready, but at the same time, and I, and I, I think they're going to be an improved team from last year. Um, I, I'm not so sure they're going to be what they are projecting themselves to be or what the fan base is putting them um, out to be because they may be better, but guess what? So is the Pac 12 reigning South Division champs. So, uh, we bring it all back. Utah's going to be ready. I, I, I think, I think you're going to have a close first half. I think, I think Utah wins uh, two scores. I, I, I guess you never know. That that's the one thing that kind of makes me a little nervous. So you never know in game one, right? If it's game three, you've had a couple games to get things going. You've got a new system. You can kind of get some of the kinks out. That's the that's the one question mark I have is is how quickly we can come out of the gates and offensively. And then, obviously, how well you play defensively. But I, I think at the end of the day, Utah's Utah's depth is what will uh, separate this game. I got Utah. So we got nine across the board on that one. Uh, next game, Northern Illinois. Ryan, we'll kick it over to you. Yeah, you know, last year when Utah traveled to Northern <laughs> Illinois, I mean, it, I, I think all of us were surprised at that outcome. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was we it ended in a win for us, which was good. But it came down to the closing minutes and took a pick six from Chase Hansen. The offense just wasn't clicking early on. But I, I don't see that happening again this year. I mean, it's a home game. I think it'll be in the minds of the players that they're not going to let this team hang around. I, I think Utah wins big. 
So last year in Northern Illinois, Ryan and I were on a flight home during the first half of that game. And it was so frustrating to watch. I literally wanted to strangle the, uh, what do they call it? Not a receptionist. Flight what, attendant. The flight attendant, yeah. Receptionist. <laughs> receptionist. That's the, only, that's the only word that came to mind. Get I, me a cup of coffee and answer that phone call. <laughs> Dang it, did you hear line four? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to need you to stay in uh, and come into work tomorrow and give me those reports. <laughs> no, but I I, I, I wanted to uh, take my bag of peanuts and, and pretzels and strangle somebody. That's how frustrating that game was to watch. But, no, nope, yeah, they lose their, their big uh, Northern Illinois doesn't bring back their uh, defensive end that caused havoc. Um, it's at home. Now, it is an 11 o'clock start time. That is early here in uh, Ute country. It's going to be so hot. Oh, It's going to be hot. you got soccer games going on. I am interested to see kind of uh, what attendance looks like and uh, obviously kickoff. I'm not sure that's going to be uh, – that That could be a threat right there to uh, the, the sellout streak. But they'll probably still announce it as a sellout regardless. But nonetheless, uh, Northern Illinois, yeah, that's, a, that's an easy win. Yeah, Utah gets that win. Next game, the 14th of September versus Idaho State. Scott? 2.15 start time. Another early game. It's Idaho State, though. Yeah, it's a sleepwalk to a victory. I'm going to go with the win over the Bengals as well. I'm kind of getting a little sick of the FCS schools. Um, if they're going to do it, maybe do Weber. Um, but, yeah, no. Utah will start 3-0. and Kind of with you on uh, these FCS schools coming in here, but... Uh... There's not really much to talk about. It's gonna. It should be a blowout. Utah win. All right. So after Idaho State, Utah plays a Friday game uh, in the Coliseum against USC. I always hate travel onto a Friday night game, but with Idaho State the week before, I'll call it what it is. What it is. It, you really have two weeks to get ready for USC. I think this is the year Utah breaks that streak gets a win in Southern California against the Trojans. I'm taking the Utes. Yeah, this will be obviously a huge game. There's so uh, there's so many ramifications for this game because whoever wins has the leg up for uh, for uh, the South title. Obviously, I, I'm just not convinced that USC, I, I think they could be a pretty good team this year. I'm just not convinced they're going to be good early. One one thing to our disadvantage is they do have a bye the week, uh, the week before they play us. Um, as uh, as they're at Brigham Young, and uh, so so they will have a little bit more a little bit more time to to prep, but uh, I I honestly think this is the year that uh, we we go down to the Coliseum, and we're gonna win this thing. We're gonna get our first win in the Coliseum. We're gonna get off to a good start. One and zero in conference. In order for us to get to the championship and they have the goals this team has um it's got to be a win and i think this is the chance to do it we we've been down there a couple of times and been close i mean you think back of the year uh, i don't remember actually which year it was where travis wilson was quarterback youths were predicted to play pretty well 2015 we were undefeated and ranked third in the country and he decided to throw a lot of passes to their linebacker (laughs) 
Yeah, that was that was an unfortunate game. We we it was close early and yeah. uh, kind of matched them early, and then all of a sudden, yeah, every, everything went wrong. Yeah, that was a tough one. But that was then. This is now. Utah wins. We're turning over a new loincloth. This is uh, this is uh, this is the time to do it. It's our year, baby. And then the next week, September twenty eighth, Utah hosts the Washington State Cougars with Mike Leach. Right. I don't know what it is. We have we struggle with this team. It's they, that spread. It's a spread. Yeah, it, I guess it is. Um, but this is the year, and uh, this is, I'm going to probably this is going to be kind of a recurring theme. This is the year. This is the year. But they've got a brand new quarterback, which they had last year, and that turned out really well for them. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I I really don't see them having a year. Like they had last year, um, go with Utah on this one too. I, I think it's big that this game's at home. First Pac-12 home game of the season. Um, Washington State, man, they're, they're one of those teams that scares me year in and year out. And, and Ryan, as you mentioned, we have had trouble with them. But I, but I, the fact that we've got them at home and we've got them early on in the season, because um, because look at last year, they they were they were okay early on, and then they kind of hit their stride, and then they were tough to beat. So again, getting them early, I think, is uh, in, in, definitely to our advantage. But uh, it's at home. Rice Eccles is going to be rocking. It could be a 10 a.m. game if uh, Larry Scott has his, has uh, has his way. But I th- I'm hoping for a night game. Place is going crazy. Utes, Utes win. All those points. Utah struggled against Leach in the air raid. Uh, but I think Utah's secondary is at another level this coming season. And I think Utah gets that win against the Cougars. Uh, Utah goes on a bye, and then they come back with a away game up in Corvallis against the Beavers. Really, Utah needs to stomp them. If Utah loses to Oregon, that's going to be an embarrassment. Yeah, I've got no, I don't have much to say about Oregon State. I think just call that a W. Uh, Mid October, falls in the air, and we travel to the Beaverton. I mean, this will be a good game. They're they're an up and coming program, and I think they're showing. I think they're going to make some pretty good progress this year, but. This is a game. I mean, heck, this, this better not be close. They're just not a good team. They got to stay focused. But coming off a of bye week, uh, that should be that should be a pretty pretty good win. So halfway through the season, we all have Utah six and zero. Plenty of Kool Aid going around here. The next week, Utah hosts Arizona State. Scott, we'll start with you this time. The Sun Devils. The Sun Devils. The Dirty Benjamins. I uh, I think uh, this will be a good game. Arizona State has had Utah's number, and uh, even though they got they're going to have a young quarterback, they destroyed us last year or two years ago in Salt Lake. So they uh, they're always a tough test for us. This is this is kind of one of my questionable games um, that I'm a little bit concerned about. If Utah plays to their potential, you know, I mean, I guess we could say that week in and week out, but. I uh, a little nervous on this one, but I'll go. I'll give Utah the win. They've got one of the best running backs in the country coming in here, and you know Benjamin, and obviously a bunch of us who are on Twitter have seen the interactions between some of the Utah fans and and himself. Uh, I think there's probably a little bad blood there that he might come fired up, but you know they're going to have a brand new quarterback. Um, probably it's it sounds like it could be a freshman quarterback. The guy who was heavily recruited by Utah, so uh, that could be a welcome home party for him. But I, uh, I, I think Utah gets that one. 
I think Utah gets it back too. I think Arizona State just has too many question marks uh, on who's going to be who. Uh, what you're alluded to, Ryan, they're losing quarterback. Losing Harry, I think uh, their wide receiver from last year, I think was huge. Uh, he was a big offensive weapon for them. Uh, so uh, with the, so many question marks with them and what kind of Bryant was talking about with their defense, I, I'm going to go with Utah on that one. The following week, the 26th, Utah hosts the Cal Golden Bears. I think could get ugly. A little dicey. Uh, but I'm, heck, I'm a homer. I'm going to go with the U. Last time Cal was <clears throat> here, we uh, picked off their quarterback a few times. Yeah, it's, it has been a while since Cal's uh, traveled uh, into Rice Eccles. Uh, uh, ESPN game day was in town, and uh, Jared Goff, who now is a pretty prolific quarterback, was getting picked off about every other pass. So Cal, yeah, scary team, but the fact that we got them a home, I, I, I like that. I, I, th- I love our home games this year because those are some of the games that, to me, are somewhat questionable. This is a game you could lose. Being at home, I, 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 think, Utah, I think Utah gets the win. Cal was up and down last year. When they looked good, I think you, you saw some some things in them that uh, could potentially play out, and they could they could have a good season. But there were some times that they just looked plain awful, and, and I I just don't know. But I, I still pick Utah to win that one. And the following week, November second, Utah travels to Seattle to play the Huskies. Ryan, where are you going? This is a tough one. I mean. I want revenge for that Pac-12 championship game, and now's a good opportunity to to get that done. They're going to have a new quarterback. They're losing some of their secondary, uh, so it's a good opportunity, but it's a tough place to play, and and frankly, Peterson has Witt's number. I don't know. I think this might be the one loss I see on their schedule this year. I totally agree with those points. I'll never pick Whittingham over Peterson in a game. There's just not a track record for it. Uh, Washington has a bye the week before, so they have two weeks to prepare for Utah. I'm going to go the Huskies on that one. Utah gets their first L. Now, I'll tell you what. So, Whittingham loves being an underdog. He thrives on it. He's not going to have many opportunities to be an underdog this year. This is going to be one of them. Washington, Washington and Chris Peterson in general looms large over Whittingham and the Utah program. And, and they know it. Kyle knows it. This team knows it. There's, there's, there's gonna, there's gonna be that bitter taste from that, that awful ending of uh, the Pac-12 championship. Now, one of the positives is Brian Murphy. Uh, um, he's in the NFL now, so he's not gonna be able to do a late PI to help uh, Washington get the win. And I'm, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. But the fact that you guys are both going to Washington, I gotta go with Utah now. I'm cha- I'm changing my tune. I hope you're right, but looking at what's left on the schedule, you have them going undefeated now. Well, not necessarily because you got to show up week in week out. I, I I will not have them going undefeated. Let's put it that way. Oh. As we move along, uh, Utah has another bye, and then they will host the UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly. I'm going to go with Utah dominates the Bruins, Scott. Man, Chip Kelly and UCLA should be so much better than they are, and I, I think eventually they're going to get there. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I just don't think they're they're ready yet. Being at Rice Eccles, I got Utah. Go with Utah on that one. The following week, the twenty third of November, Utah travels down to Tucson to take the on the Wildcats of Arizona. Scott, so this is Kyle Winningham's "What Are You Doing" game. 
This is where he loses it. This is where he's going to have gifts made of him going crazy on the sideline. You know what? We've got so much right there in our in our grasps. And uh, traveling, I hate traveling to Arizona for any game, whether it's Tempe or whether it's Tucson. I think this is our what-are-you-doing game. I think I think we lose him. I think this is my first loss of the season. Wow. To Khalil Tate and company. In my prediction, they're one loss at this point in the season with these two games left on the schedule. They've got so much to play for, a lot of at stake. I see I see them going down, going down there and getting the win. I'm with you, Scott. I think every season there's a what-the-crap game, and I think this is the what-the-crap game. Ooh, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Two losses. Bear down. Two losses, Cam. And then you to wrap it up on November 30th against Colorado Buffs in Salt Lake against the Rivals. The manufactured Pac-12 rivalry game. New coaching staff at Colorado. Utah wins it. Yeah, Utes win that one. Yeah, I mean, this game, uh, it's, it's got to be a night game, right? Utah's going to have everything on the line. We don't lose to our rivals. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be joining a, enjoying a victory and partying as we send the team off to Santa Clara. And potentially the playoffs, except for Cameron. Well, Cam's second loss cost us the playoff well, berth. If Utah loses to Arizona, that's their playoff berth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just to kind of recap, I have Utes at 10-2. and two. Ryan and Scott, you both have them going 11-1. I'm assuming that's good enough to be going to the Pac-12. Who do you guys think they'll play, and can they win? I want to say Oregon, because it really, it really should be Oregon from the north. But man, Chris Peterson is just a, he's a witch, man. He's going to figure something out. And I, I think, I think we're going to have a rematch, which actually I kind of want a rematch. I love, I love to go to Santa Clara against those guys and give, and have one more shot at them. I think it's going to be a rematch. Utah, Washington again. And this time Utah gets it done. I think it's going to be the Ducks out of the North. You would. It's the du- Duck Nachos, <laughs> put them over the top. I I think the Ducks have a lot less questions uh, than Washington right now. So as of today, I would go with the Ducks. Um, I think it'll be an interesting game, uh, Utah and Oregon. Uh, obviously, Oregon losing um, Levitt on defense is a big blow to them. Um, and kind of what Bryant was saying, can they get it together with that coaching staff? That's the million-dollar question with them. But, I, heck, I'm, I'm in the Kool-Aid, so I'll say the Utes win the Pac-12 championship game. So that's kind of our predictions of the season. Again, we'd love to hear what you have to say. You can always tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. Ryan, where, where can people find you online? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. Scott? Yeah, um, you man underscore forever. And you can catch this podcast just anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're there, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Ki-yay. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Edit over because now I've literally uh, lost my question. Brian's going to think so little <laughs> of us now. <laughs> Amateur hour. It is. Sorry. I totally got distracted. And I now crashed I- my car once recording a podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
My, my favorite was uh, was uh, Nick Saban yelling at Lane Kiffin, you know, in his night night shirt, like on the sideline. That was my. <laughs> <laughs>